So the Medrash tells us an interesting thing in this week's parsha, parsha's Yisro. The Medrash tells us a very interesting thing. The Medrash says, we have, of course, in parsha's Yisro, the highlight of this week's Torah portion is the giving of the Torah in Mount Sinai and the recitation of the Ten Commandments. The Medrash points out that the first word of the Ten Commandments, Anochi, Anochi is actually a word from, it's an Egyptian word. It's not Hebrew. The first word, it's adapted now, it's used as a, in other words, once it's placed in the Torah, it becomes Lashon Kodesh. But its source is Egyptian. So the Rebbe asks a very obvious question. You know, we've talked about this also in previous classes. Anoichi avaya lekecha. We always know that anoichi, the pronoun I, is a reference to the essence of Hashem that transcends even names. And that's the first three words of the Ten Commandments. Anoichi, the absolute essence of Hashem, as it manifests itself in Havaya, Yud Kevavke, the Hashem's transcendent name, Hashem's infinite name, Havaya Hoyahivavia past, present, and future, all is one, transcending nature. Elokacha, which is of course the name Elokim, which Elokim has the same numerical value as Teva, nature. And so you have this progression in the Ten Commandments. The absolute essence, Anochi, a pronoun, higher than all names, higher than all manifestations. Yudke Vavke, the highest level of manifestation that creates creatio ex nihilo. And then Elokim, godliness manifest in a physical world. So Anochi, the word that we're using to describe Hashem's absolute essence, the highest level is Egyptian. The Mandarin says it's an Egyptian word. The Rebbe says, really? Hmm. Really? The Rebbe asks. Are you kidding? The Rebbe makes the question even stronger. The Rebbe says, when you, the Ten Commandments of all kinds of, the Ten Commandments is an all-encompassing, is like a zip file of the entire Torah. That's why there's so much, so many manifestations of this. The Ten Commandments has exactly 620 letters in it. In the Ten Commandments. 613 biblical commandments, seven commandments of the sages, seven of the sages' institutions, right? It's a total of 620. So all aspects of Torah, the, 700, the 613 uh, commandments of the Torah, biblical commandments, the seven commandments of the Chachamim, all are encompassed in the 620 letters of the Ten Commandments. Even within that totality of the Ten Commandments, if you break it down, right, if you get even deeper, the first two of the Ten Commandments, Anoichi is a positive commandment, I am the Lord your God. Layilachah, the second, is a negative prohibition, right? And Anoichi is the encompassing of all the 248 positive commandments. La is encompassing of all of the 365 negative prohibitions. That's why, what am I about to say? I didn't get this last part of it. Anoichi is the, the like concentrated mm-hmm. version mm-hmm. of all the positive commandments in the Torah. 
It is okay. the Pasuk. Which is the beginning of the first. The first. The very the, first letter of the Ten Commandments. Or the, the whole first commandment. Lord the God of the land of Egypt. That's a mitzvah. So that's a positive mitzvah, right? It's really the combination of Yod Yodhe Of course. So you have you have the, fir- the very the first commandment, first commandment encompasses, encompasses all, all the positive all commandments possible. in the Torah. Not just Anochi, the entire right, right. The, the entire whole, first that commandment. whole first commandment. Okay. And the entire second commandment mm-hmm. is the encompassing of all of the negative prohibitions in Which the Torah. Is, do not Lo no and if you think about it on a practical basis, right? Think about this. Not just the fact that one is a positive commandment, one is a negative prohibition, and, and they've. The root and the core, Hi. the root and the core of all positive mitzvahs. Why do we put out tefillin? Why do we put mezuzahs on our doors? Why do we eat matzah on Pesach? Why do we keep kosher? All the positive commandments, go through all the 248 positive commandments, why do we do them? Because there's only one God in the world, that, and this is what God told us to do. Why do we avoid all the negative prohibitions? Because ultimately the violation of any negative prohibition, the root of the violation of every negative prohibition is idolatry, correct. Because on, because on some level, let's just look at it this way, in the simplest way, Right? In order for one to allow oneself to violate any of the negative prohibitions in the Torah, he has to, on some level, doubt the existence of a one and only Hashem. And he has to be able to attribute um, an energy, a power, or something to some other power. What if you... Right? You could I, violate even... You don't run a red you light. Could, you could violate even if you don't doubt. When you run a red light... No. Deep in the subconscious, I'm saying, when you run a red light, what are you counting on? You won't get caught. That you're not going to get caught. There's no cops around. Right. And that you're going to be safe. Because, first of all, you're counting on that you're not going to be caught. But you're also counting on something else. That you're going to be safe. In other words, you're able to rationalize to yourself. And I use the example of this light right here on the corner. This light, when you get really, really late at night, it just stays green on S. Vicente and it takes forever when you come up to the light even though it has those sensors mm-hmm. it takes forever to change so you have two choices because I've done this more than once <laughs> in the middle of the night, very late at night you can either if you're going south and you want to go that way on S. Vicente so you can either make a quick right turn here because it's usually going to stay green go to, go to Gretna Green by the public school and make a U-turn come the other way or you look both ways. Come on, there's no cars out. It's two thirty in the morning. There's nobody here. So again, 
when they made the law, don't run a red light. Do we treat a red light? Is a red is the law about red lights the same as the law about stop signs? No. A stop sign, you have to stop, look both ways, and then you can go. But that's not red light is not the same. If it's a blinking red light, it's the same as a stop sign. But if it's a red light, it's not a stop sign. You have to stay there. The law is until it's green. So you're attributing to yourself authority that the government has not given you. When you say to yourself, it's 2.30 in the morning, I can run this red light. You following me? Now extrapolate from that to every single negative prohibition in the Torah, that's what it comes down to. You have to be able to attribute some power and some force to something else, whether it's your own rationalization or you're attributing that power to your own taiva, your own desires, your own ba- base desires. You just don't, you know, that's it, finish that, you know, that that cheeseburger is talking to me. And Hashem will forgive you. Oh, the ultimate rationalization. Right. Yes, I'm wrong. The ultimate rationalization. Hashem, okay, you know, I'll mess up. And Hashem will forgive me, right? So, so but back to our, our theme. So, but he does. That's why we does. do the worst thing and we, mm, we, mm, we, mm, we mm, apologize mm, and he forgives mm, you, right? Conditionally. <laughs> Let's not go off on a tangent. <laughs> with, a, with a little bit of a Isurin, unfortunately, uh-huh. sometimes. So, uh, you're God telling forbid. me. God forbid. God forbid. should protect us. So, encompass the entire Torah. And that's why those were the only two commandments that we actually heard, right? The first two commandments we heard, and each time Hashem spoke to us, everybody died. And they had to be resurrected from the dead. And after the second commandment, they told Moshe, whoa, 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 whoa. This acid is a little heavy. <laughs> you hear it. What does that mean? How could we allow Moshe to convey to us the core of the Torah? Because in essence, the core of the Torah really breaks down to those two commandments. Which we already did get. Exactly. So Hashem gave us the entire Torah in these first two commandments. Right? The entire Torah in these first two commandments. Of these first two commandments, one is actually the first, and the other is the second. Not just because. There's a reason for that. Because if you think about it, think about those two state, the two statements of the first two commandments. <laughs> I am the Lord your God, I am the Lord your God who took you out of the land of Egypt, is a statement of, um, that there is nothing else except for Hashem. There's one and only Hashem, nothing else exists. And in fact, not only is there only one and only Hashem, but Enod Milvado, in essence, nothing exists except for Hashem. One second, second, let me finish the thought. Avram, wait one second. The second of the ten, two commandments already is giving rise to the possibility that there might be other gods 
and is telling you, don't have any other gods. Right? So automatically the second commandment is of a lower level, to a deeper level than the first commandment. Right? The first one is automatically higher than that. So the first two commandments is the entire Torah. The Ten Commandments, 620 letters, is the entire Torah. The first two commandments, amongst those Ten Commandments, is really, really the entire Torah. Amongst the first two, the first one is really, really the entire Torah. Everything's there. The ultimate day of Mavadi. And the first word of that first commandment is Egyptian. How's that supposed to work? What do you want to say before I go on? Okay, so the first commandment, which is the entire the Torah, yeah. we are disregarding, which is have betachon in Hashem. Why? Because nobody... It took me 15 years, Rabbi, to have the betachon in Hashem. No. You think people on the street, they have betachon in Hashem? It doesn't have to it take 15 years. It doesn't even click in your mind. What are you talking about? It doesn't Rabbi? have to. It doesn't click in your mind until your mind rewires. What's your real question? But, uh, yeah. Wait a second. What, is, what, are, you, what, that, are, you, what that, are you saying that he's saying wrong? What, what? That, that we are already not doing the, the, the first commandment. Okay. And Hashem is forgiving us for not doing the first commandment. He's giving us time. No. He's forgiving. Wait, wait, wait. No, and? I'm not sure. Yes, true. What's your point? But you're saying Hashem is not forgiving us. Who? When did I say that? You said maybe, both of you, you just said maybe. Uh, let's, said. I said let's not digress to a different discussion, <laughs> is what I said. I said let's not digress to another discussion. I'm not digressing. It's not on this topic. Hashem forgives us. Yes, yes. But he doesn't but like. He doesn't but he doesn't think. like when we say, "I'm going to sin," because he's going to forgive me anyway. Right. But but can we include? Wait a second. That part where I said it is important. Yeah. Because when you, you say you're just it. saying it, this doesn't work like. By the that. way, you guys haven't listened to the playback. <laughs> I wanted to two weeks ago. You said it's not on, but okay. Now they're all on. Go ahead. Uh, it's important to say it's not that automatic that we sin and Hashem forgives. There, there, there are ways that He's instituted in forgiveness. Unfortunately, that's why we said, God forbid, there is suffering involved within that forgiveness. You know, of course, to the level of your teshuva, if you have done complete teshuva, maybe at some point the you, suffer- and you the have, suffering and you do have bitachon. You brought yourself up. Maybe that suffering, you can ask him to bring it lower or eliminate that. All of these are possibilities. It's a cleansing. But it's not an automatic we sin and we forgive him. It it doesn't work like that. But there is forgiveness. I don't don't know if you're... You you know, you always have to encourage somebody. Have you noticed that I've lost weight? Yeah. (laughs) Seriously. So, you know, it's, it's a process. It's a process. I'm on an extraordinarily strict diet right now. Unbelievably restrictive. Right. Unbelievably restrictive. Okay. Now, the fact of the matter is that I was sitting tonight. So uh, last night was Levy's last night of vacation. Then midwinter vacation. He's back in yeshiva now. So yesterday afternoon, he decided to become ambitious. 
he found wings that had been sitting in the freezer for a very, very long time, but of course they're fine sitting in the freezer. He took them out of the freezer, he wanted to, you know, barbecue wings, and he was gonna invite over all his nephews and nieces for barbecue wings. Didn't come together, okay? So by the time last night was over, so we had to take the wings. Oh, by the way, you want some? Um, <laughs> want some wings? So we put them in the fridge, right? So this afternoon, I open up the fridge, which is so funny because now that I'm on this extraordinarily restrictive diet, opening up the fridge is a waste of time because there's absolutely nothing in the refrigerator that I actually can eat. So I don't eat anything out of the refrigerator anymore. But I open up the fridge and I see the wings all sitting there. And of course, what's going to happen? And everybody's going to get busy here. The wings will sit in the fridge for another two days and they're going to go in the garbage because they'll have been out too long, right? I said, yeah, I'm going to cook them. I'm going to barbecue the wings. So I made a my own super duper Rabbi Hecht barbecue sauce. Again, if you want to try one. If they're extra, I'll take some home for... Okay, <laughs> okay. And I cooked up the wings, okay? We had dinner anyway upstairs, but I brought up a big plate of wings. I put it there, okay? So my kids are having chicken. They're trying the wings. Nothing too heavy, but it's nothing I can eat. And I get, my wife gives me this big plate of salad to eat. That's what I So, one of my daughters goes, aren't you going to try one? Aren't you going to try one? I said, no, I, I can't. I'd like you to try it. Tell me how it came out, because I haven't tasted them, so I don't really know. I want you to try it. Is this what your life is going to be like? My daughter said to me tonight. So I said... Not quite, but for the time being, yes, this is what my life is like. She said, but how is it supposed to make sense? I said to her, well, you have to understand, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, I'm 62 years old. And for probably at least 50 of those 62 years, every time I saw schnitzel, because that's what we had for dinner tonight, I had one piece more than I should have had. Probably more than that, but I had one piece more. And every time there was wings, I had four more wings than I should have had. So tonight, I can't have any because I already had my schnitzel and my wings 20 years ago. <laughs> that's the way I have to look at it. Right. So that's not punishment. It's not punishment. Is it painful? I promise you, it's not, you know, these salads are delicious. They're great, the salads that I'm eating, delicious, and they're very filling. I'm, but, I'm baffled by the point that you uh, say you can't have one wing. I, I, don't, I don't get that part. Well, I, because I I'm doing a cleanse. It's in the middle of I cleanse. remember, Rabbi, for many, many years, you tried, you failed. Right, you tried, right, failed. right, right. But Hashem forgive you. Again, right, you right, right. You get more chances. So teshuva is not true? What yeah, but saying? look, now I'm doing teshuva. Yeah, and quote-unquote, of course, I don't mean it in, in the strict sense of the word, I'm suffering, because I didn't, couldn't even have one wing tonight. Of course, doing, yeah, of course, because okay. you're rewarding. So that's all he's saying. Yeah. So that's what he's yeah, saying. Yeah, you, you suffer. Okay, okay. now to get back to our originally scheduled. You want, you want the easy way. You want the easy way. Right. The Opempic, what's the new, the new the, the drug everybody's taking? Ozempic. Ozempic. Yeah, everybody <laughs> wants...
Yeah. And you can't even find that it there is because sakana. That is sakana. You can't even find it, Rabbi. That is sakana. I, I, it's complete danger. I, 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 I'm not a doctor, yeah, and I'm not a scientist, and I'm not a bio-researcher, bio but I'm telling you, five years from now, yeah, you wait five see. years from now, we're going to hear, Chas Shalom, Chas Shalom, Sheikh's not here. Five years from now, you're going to hear all kinds of things about Zempek. And the people that took yeah. It's sad. Yeah, okay. There is no so, easy. There is no easy there way. There is no easy way. Right. No. You have to sit and eat gigantic salads. Coming to Torah class is not easy. We have to put time and effort to get here. How many people get in, get to this class? That's right. For many who years, well, people are listening it to was it just you and me. That's right. Okay. So the so the Rebbe says. So the Rebbe says. That we have to understand our purpose and mission as Jews as it's manifest in our manifesto, the Torah. We cannot ever allow ourselves to say that everything about our existence is only Judaism. Mm. Ultimately, if you go back to the original, right? We, I had it in a mimer I was learning this week. A fam- the very famous Medrash, that in the six days of creation, Hashem, uh, it says, Then it says, Yom Sheni, Yom Shlishi, Yom Revi'i. But when it comes to the end of the sixth day, it says, Yom Hashishi, like we say in our Kiddush, right? Friday night. Yom Hashishi. So the Medrash, of course, asks, what's... Hashishi, the sixth day. And we talked about this message before that the, the message says, that Hashem made a condition with all of creation right at the end of creation. And he said, There's going to come a sixth day, the sixth day. Which sixth day? The sixth day of the month of Sivan, the day the Torah would be given. And he made a condition. If on the sixth day of Sivan, the Jewish people accept the Torah, we're good. If not, end of the world. I return the world to its primordial state. Medrash. Okay? So, so, in other words, the paradigm shift of the revelation at Mount Sinai, the giving of the Ten Commandments, is an event that encapsulates the purpose of all of creation. Because absent the revelation at Mount Sinai and us accepting the Torah, there's no need for creation. Hashem says, I'll just return creation to its primordial state. Only when we accept the Torah at Mount Sinai does the world have a reason to exist. Okay, so that means that the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai is directly interlocked with the purpose of creation. What's the purpose of creation? Purpose of creation we know is God wants to have a dwelling place for godliness in the lowest worlds. And when we say lowest worlds, we mean the absolute lowest of the lowest of the lowest of the lowest of levels. Hashem wants godliness brought there. 
So when we look at the Ten Commandments, the Rebbe says, the opening word of the first of the Ten Commandments that encapsulates everything that's in the Torah is Anochi, an Egyptian word. Meaning, and what does it mean? It means the absolute essence of Hashem. Mm. That our goal and the goal of the, of, of the revelation of Mount Sinai and the giving of the Torah to us as Jews is so that we can take the absolute essence of Hashem and cause it to be manifest and revealed in the lowest levels even in Egypt. Our limitations. The, the world of Ervasa Aretz, the abyss, the spiritual abyss of the world. And that's the entire purpose of the Torah. That's why the Torah was given to us. And the Hashem symbolizes that in that first word of the first commandment, Anochi, the absolute essence from the Egyptian language down to the absolute lowest of the low. And then it says two takeaways. Two takeaways. The first one is you cannot allow yourself to be satisfied with your own um, cocoon of holiness. You can't allow yourself to be satisfied with that. You have an obligation, every one of us has an obligation to change the world. Every one of us has an obligation to change the world. That's number one. In other words, to reach out to the world around us to inspire it, to elevate it, to transform it, to make it a place that's godly, holy, and capable of absorbing godliness. That's number one. Number two says that Edmund, what's the second, second takeaway? Or maybe even an introduction to takeaway number one, is we first have to work on ourselves. There's an aspect of ourselves that is the cocoon, and there's an aspect of ourselves that is the outside of ourselves. What is that? There's when we are immersed in spirituality, when we come to shul, when we daven, when we study Torah, when we're doing a mitzvah, etc., 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 when we're involved and in a revealed way absolutely connected to God and godliness and Torah. And then there's our quote-unquote mundane life, our daily routine, what our day is like. And what happens? We as a people, we don't take our, mon our mundane life um, most of the time and seek to make it spiritual. This me, is a little bit I different than the first me, one. Me, me. In many ways, it's the same thing. But no, 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 no that's what I'm saying, Avram. What I'm saying is this. You have to pay bills. You have to call, I don't know, customer service because your computer is down. Okay? That call to customer service is an extremely mundane experience for you. Mm. Naturally, our natural reaction is, okay, I'm not here to discuss, uh, I'm not, uh, uh, this is not going to be a spiritual event for me. 
Mm-hmm. It's going to be a very natural event, right? So when you bring the guy that on the phone, you get him to come put on the filin, you made it spiritual. For myself also. So right. the, at that moment, you have the duality. You have both of these lessons. You're changing the world because you're reaching out to somebody else. But at the same time, you're also making what was a main, m- mundane event for you into something spiritual. Such as telling the piano teacher what is a certain reason that Judaism would not allow us to go? Wait, I think this is Levy. Hold on. Yeah. I'm just saying that this is not the moment for that. That's all. That's why I see it. Yeah. It could be there will be a moment when you have to have that conversation. But go back to what you were saying. You're talking to someone in customer service. Right. There's no discussion of anything spiritual. So figure out how to make that into a spiritual event for you. But you were saying that was. I was in Smart and Final. When I was in Smart and Final, one day, one of my more recent trips to Smart and Final, right? So I, I wasn't wearing my capota that day. I was just in a shirt. African-American gentleman wearing a uniform comes up to me and he says, those tassels hanging out of your pants, does that make you a rabbi? Is that like rabbi uniform? So I told him, no, that's a Jewish uniform. And so told Jew- I happen to be a rabbi, yes. But that's that's not makes that's not part of a rabbi uniform. That's part of a Jewish uniform. All Jews are supposed to wear these tassels. Really? Oh, that's so interesting. As I said to him, sir, I see you're wearing a uniform. <laughs> he says yes. So I said, may I ask what it is that you do? He says, I am a custodian. I said, ah. Oh. We are cut from the same cloth. He said, looks at me, what? I said, yes, I would like to shake your hand, I said then. Because you and I are the same. He says, in what way? I said, both of us are deeply involved in making sure that the world is a clean place. started beaming, beaming. He said, no one has ever said that to me before. Did you really mean that? I said, absolutely, I meant it. He said, Rabbi, you made my week. I said, it was my pleasure. Now, I had turned for myself. This trip to Smart and Final into an spirit. It wasn't just we needed more aluminum pans or we needed more flour and a challah. No. It was I had to make this African American custodian gentleman's week. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. These these kinds of things are happening around us all the time. For ourselves. 
every mundane experience we have. So, in a, so what the Rebbe is saying is this. If you want to, if you want to be sure that you've truly integrated, let me put it in this way, if you want to be sure that you've truly integrated the Ten Commandments into yourself, two things will happen. One is, all the things that you do that are technically mundane will be events in which you will be able to experience godliness. And secondly, or maybe 1A, because of that, every mundane experience in your life is going to be a change in the world. You're going to effect change in the world. You're going to make the world a better place. You're going to make the world more godly. And all of that, says the Rebbe, is symbolized in that first word, Anochi. Because in order to be able to do that, the fact of the matter is, like you said, Avram, the pushback is, um, is, is humongous. It took you 15 years to get Bitachon. The pushback is humongous. The world, as it, present its, as it presents itself, is utterly antithetical to everything that we just said. is an impossibility, it's an unachievable goal to know Hashem in all of your ways and everything you do in all of your experiences. The idea that you could take every single part of the world and elevate and transform it is, is, pipe, is a pipe dream. I know someone that... It's a pipe dream. He was in four wars, Rabbi. Yeah. In four wars. People around him died in the wars. He was alive. He still doesn't believe. <laughs> right? People come out of that in different ways. So, the result is, so that in order to be able to achieve that result, you're going to need a power that is not just an energy that is already existent in the world. You need an outcome. You're going to have to be able to reveal the essence of Hashem in the essence of all of creation. Because without that, what do you mean? Why do you assume that your call to customer service is going to be a spiritual experience for you? There's no reason for it to be that. Unless you've connected yourself to the absolute essence of Hashem. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's the ultimate goal of creation. That's why creation was created. And the ultimate purpose of creation is only manifest when we bring Mashiach. The way you connect. And the way you connect every second, the every first moment, thing to do is The first thing to do is to think about that. Be mindful of it. That something else, and it's a, it's a training exercise. You can almost do it Pavlovian. You could train yourself to be seeking that, that you say to you, that you're able to make the declaration, whether in verse or at least in your subconscious, that I'm not just getting in the car to go get gas. Some, I have to find something spiritual and godly about this trip. Rabbi, you, you, from your physicality, you see yourself that you have to lose weight. 
So you are rewiring the body. We, on the outside, we have to rewire this that we don't see. Wait, but that's also, but even, I'm not rewiring this my body. This is harder than this. I have to rewire my brain to, to be able to rewire my body. But this way you can see. But when you rewire... Did you understand what I just said? Yes. For sure, I have to rewire my For brain sure, first. Yes. But when, when the outside people, they're trying to rewire this, they don't see anything. That's why you have to learn chassidus. Exactly. That's why they have to take Torah class. <laughs> this mindfulness mm -hmm. of every moment to connect with Anochi, and it, it's very, very parallel with Bitachon. Completely. Very parallel. Completely. Like that every moment of having the Bitachon and having mindfulness of Hashem is completely is the same. Completely. Absolutely. So let's get out there and do this. And just imagine we really transform this to having bitachon when we are doing business. It's every every bring the spirituality. No way, changes if, everything. If it's can, a game changer. If you can do it. But the Kabbalistic. <laughs> understanding of the purpose of creation, which goes to, uh, now I'm at the Ketufa. Right. The bread of shame. Right. Can you connect it somehow here to this meaning of the purpose which Hashem wanted to reveal? Right. That's the difference. Hashem wanted to reveal in the lower world. That's how you What does that have to do with us here? We are here That's how you get away from Naam Ketufa. By making it a purposeful event. You get rid of your, you pay your the bread of shame. The bread of shame is no longer bread of shame. It's now legit. Because yeah. you've done the purpose. Right. Hashem should bless us. We should Amen. achieve Amen. the goal once and for all. And bring what she got now. Amen. Thank you. Thank you all for joining us.